Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. It's going to be a good day. Uh, last week we talked a little bit about Pentecost. It was uh, Pentecost Sunday for those of you that weren't here. It's that is a day that's 50 days after Easter, and it is a very important day and important time in our church because it was, um, and when I say our church, I mean the Church of Christ as a whole globally because it's a day where we, we talked about the Holy Spirit. And um, we're, because I think it's important, and I'm going to be, um, I just was really aware of how, how almost impossible this is. I'm trying to explain God's very spirit. I'm trying to explain what it can do in a life and how important it is for believers. And I just don't know that I can do that. I don't know that anybody can do that. But let's pray, and, and I'm going to try, and we're going to talk um, and look at some scriptures that I think are very important. But Lord, it is good to be in your house. It is good to worship you. It is good to remember your goodness in all of our days. You have been faithful. You've brought us to this point, Lord. We thank you that you've brought us to this point and that you're just near us. You're with us. You love us, God. And Lord, as we go into your word and as we, we read scriptures about your spirit, um, Lord God, I believe there is a great richness to the spirit of God. There's a depth to, to, to believers having the Spirit within us. So God, help us to understand. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to grasp just the wonders of your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, flip into Acts chapter 2, and we're going to talk about... Um, Kind of how, how, Peter, how Peter broke down what was happening on Pentecost. So if you have your Bibles, you can click there, flip there, however you get there. Acts chapter 2, and we're going to go to verse 14. So that's where we're going to start, but here's a little bit of background. The background of this is that Jesus um, had died. And in the process of him dying and the process of him going to the cross, every single one of his friends, they deserted him and they denied him, even Peter. Peter was, was there while Jesus was, was kind of in his court proceedings. He was at a fire warming himself and he couldn't even stand up and, and count himself a follower of Jesus to a little girl. Now, no offense to, you know, little girls, like, you know, little girls are awesome, but they're not really the most scary things in the world. Like, if you're going to be scared of anything, clowns, sharks, airplanes, little girls are way down on the list. <laughs> All right? And so even, even in an area that wasn't very the words out of his mouth, they're like, you know him. You're one of his followers. And, and Peter's like, I, I don't know him. And so Jesus dies. He pays the price for every sin, even the sin Peter just did a few Hours before he finally died, every single one of Peter's sins, my sins, your sins were on the cross. They were, they were covered. We, 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 we get to experience great forgiveness. After that, three days later, God raises him from the dead. 
And he spends some time with his disciples, with his followers, teaching them, explaining things. And then he does something that, that I understand mentally, but man, I wish he didn't. I wish he didn't leave. There's a part of me that can't wait for him to return, that, that I'm, I'm glad for the way I can know God now. But man, to know him as a, the resurrected son of God, in flesh and blood, like to see the scars in his hands and to, to see his eyes. One day, uh, us who believe, you know, we're, we're going to see him. We're going to see his countenance, see the expression on his face. But, but he left. He says, you know, it's to my advantage. In the book of John, he says, it's to my advantage I go away. Because if I don't go away, the, the Spirit will not come. And so in the beginning of chapter 2, the Spirit comes. People are touched. There's, there's something happening, and a crowd, a crowd starts to form. And so the same Peter that was too afraid to talk about Jesus to a little girl, all of a sudden something is different in Peter. There's a different Peter that we see in this point because the Spirit of God does come into Peter and, and did what the Spirit of God does. It renewed him. It changed him. And it says, Peter, standing there with the eleven, lifted up his voice. It's that same voice that was too afraid to name Christ to a little girl is talking to the whole crowd. Thousands of people are gathered. And he says, Men of Judah, or Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. See, you can't even, even though this verse, sometimes we think, oh, some verses are just setting up other things, bringing us to like another verse later on that's exciting, but but do you see this in here? The same Peter that was too afraid and too shy or too fearful, now he's saying, hey, make sure you hear me. It's not that he's just afraid to stand, or not that he's just got a little bit of boldness, but, but, but now he's calling out and saying, I want everyone to hear this. Listen to what I'm going to say. And he's going to explain as far as he understands, and by the Spirit of God, kind of what is happening here. He says, these people were not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, but it's only 9 a.m. For some reason, whatever was happening with this group of people, when the Spirit of God um, was poured out in the beginning of chapter 2, something happened where Peter had to say, hey, they're not drunk. Something happened. It's only nine in the morning. A little bit early to be plastered, okay? But he says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So Peter is going to start to do something under the power of the Spirit, under the leading of the Spirit. He's going to tie in a bunch of Old Testament scriptures into who Jesus was and what he did and explain how the purpose of God had been bringing the world. And so he references Job. He says, Job, or Joel, I'm sorry. Joel says, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, 
Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. On my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. He adds on, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and on the earth, signs on the earth below, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter's saying, what you see here happening just a few minutes ago, according like in this story, like it just happened, the crowd gathers. He's saying what you're seeing is part of God's plan. And that huge part of God's plan is that the spirit would be poured out. And he lists men, women, young, old, and there's, there's not a distinction. There's not a Holy Spirit junior. Even though we don't say that with our words, we believe that. We believe that there, there's some people who get the real Holy Spirit, and then there's other people that get like the, the pretend Holy Spirit. The regular Whopper and the Whopper Junior. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, oh yeah, it's the Holy Spirit, but, but I know God, you know, could never really do something with me. And, you know, I know there's stuff wrong with me. And rather than realizing it is the same Spirit poured out on everyone. And so Peter's going to keep explaining in verse 22. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. So he ties in the Old Testament, and now he's going to tie in what, what he knows about Jesus. He said, name it, the bad side of town. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. So everybody had heard about Jesus. Jesus was very popular back then. They, thousands of people followed him on the, on the, the lakeside. They followed him in, into the wilderness. They, they were there. They listened. They understood who he was. He, so he's saying, this Jesus who did these wonders, verse 23, he was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. This is important. God has a plan, and he's working out his plan. Jesus was faithful in his part of the plan. His part as far as living a perfect life, dying a horrible death he didn't deserve, and rising again. Like it was, It's God's plan. And you're going to see that part of this plan, it, it, like God's plan doesn't stop at the cross. Sometimes we think it only stops there. It doesn't stop at the empty tomb. Sometimes we think, well, that's where it stops. In fact, let's, let's keep reading here. It says, He was crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosening the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So Jesus was dead. He didn't deserve it. But now he's alive. Death can't hold him. In verse 25, um, he, he references a psalm, something that David wrote. He says, David said, I saw the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced and my flesh will dwell in hope. David is talking about like this nearness of God. In verse 27, he says, For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor let your Holy One see corruption. You've made me to know paths of life and make me full of gladness in your presence. With me. Brothers, I say to you, 
with confidence about David that he both died and was buried and is in a tomb. So he's saying, hey, David talked about his soul not being left in corruption or left in death, but David wasn't even talking about himself. He was talking about Jesus. We know this because David's tomb is full and Christ is empty. That's why we know who this really applies to. Verse 30, but being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and he spoke about the resurrection of Christ. Again, God's plan. God wrote about it in the Old Testament. He prophesied. He gave signs. He gave things that we can look for. God was actively doing it in Jesus. Jesus was, was fulfilling all those prophecies and making it come to life to where it wasn't words on a scroll. He was flesh and blood and actually working out God's plan, right? And, but it, it, then he starts to say, he starts to say something a little bit beyond. In verse 21, he says, he foresaw and he spoke about the resurrection of Jesus, and that he would not be abandoned to Hades or his flesh see corruption. Jesus didn't decay. The worms didn't eat him. His flesh is alive even right now. Verse 32, this Jesus that God raised up, and all of it we are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. All right, put, put the other part, the first part of that verse 33 up there, please. So he doesn't stop at the cross. If, if all Jesus did was die for our sins, that would be awesome. We'd have nothing to complain about. He doesn't stop at the tomb. The fact that Jesus was raised again means that, that God has the power to save us. The cross, Jesus went through the worst thing. He has the desire to save us. He'll go through the worst. Jesus went through the worst thing. He desires the empty tomb is like God, Jesus, has the power to save because he's alive. But the next part, if you just follow the story, is where is Jesus now? He's at the right hand of God. Wherever God is, and I mean, we just point up, but I mean, if you're in Australia, your up is down. So I don't know. Wherever God is, Jesus is right there at the right hand. And then look what he did. This is part of, part of his saving work. See, the, the reason I spent so much time in going through this is I want you to see that he received from the Father the promise of the Spirit, and he poured it out. See, part of God's plan is that the Spirit would be poured out on God's people. That's a big, big deal. In fact... If you were to go through the New Testament and begin to look at all the things that, that the, the writers said about the Spirit, in Romans 5, it talks about the Holy Spirit pouring out love into our hearts. It talks about believers walking according to the Spirit and not fulfilling bad desires. Do you want to be loved? Do you want to know what love is? Do you want me to show you? I can't, all right? Only Christ can. And he chooses to show us 
by the, when he pours his spirit into us. Romans 8 talks about the spirit giving us a mind that is life and peace. Would you like to have peace? Would you like to have life? Talks about in Romans 8 about being led by the spirit. Now, what you might not understand, but we all have to get, is we need someone to lead us. Now, you got to understand this. We need this. The way that he leads us is through his spirit. But we can't go about making our own decisions. I don't care how smart we are. I don't care how many times we've got it right in the past. The safest thing to do is to be led by him. It talks about in Romans that the spirit helps us in our weakness. That is amazing. It talks about abounding in hope by the spirit. So we've talked about love, peace, life, hope, all coming through the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it talks about being justified by the Spirit. It talks about, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, gifts given to us. In other words, that God doesn't just call us into things. He calls us into things but equips us for those things. So whatever God calls you to, you probably can't do it alone, but he gives you what you need to succeed in that, in that calling. And again, freedom, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The fact that there is true freedom in the Spirit. 1 Timothy 4.1 talks about the Spirit warning against false teachers. Wouldn't you like to be able to identify a false teacher? Well, it's, it's number one, it's, it's the work of the Spirit in you that when you hear somebody, you're like, that's not right. And then what does he do? He works in conjunction with the Word of God so that you can say, well, that's not right. And here's why I don't think it's right. Here's, here's a scripture of why. In fact, Paul, when he talks about the sword of the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5, he says it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. My hope, my desire, my prayer, the reason that we know the Word inside and out, that really know the Word, but also have the Spirit of God inspiring, enlightening, and revealing to us the Word. Why does it have to be either or? Was Paul either or? Was Jesus either or? The problem is, is they, they li we like to pretend, well, that's a church, they just, that's a Bible church. They just read the Bible and just kind of wait till Jesus comes back. But they know the Bible. And that other church, well, that's a spirit church, and they're looking for whatever that means to be led by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit and be gifted by the Spirit and have peace by the Spirit. But, but they don't know the Word. They don't know the Word from the phone book. But imagine if you could put them both together, which is, I think, what the Bible talks about, which is, I think, what anybody who ever did anything for God knows. It's the Word and it's the Spirit. And we go on reading. I'm going to flip to another, 
another passage. Let's just go to Acts chapter 8. I just want you to see this. A little bit of background. I think chapter 8, verse 14. A little bit of background about how we got to chapter 8, verse 14, is the Spirit of God came upon the church, and the church, not just Peter, not just John, not just not just James, but the Word. Why the Spirit of God was just leading them and guiding them and equipping them. And they were going around like literally bringing God's Word to new cities, new villages. And God was, was, was seeing people were getting saved. People were coming to Christ. And in verse 14, it talks about in the, earlier in chapter 8, they had brought the Word to Samaria. Samaria, Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. That would be like the other side of the tracks. People that you just didn't like. A lot of racial issues there. But the word of God came there. And the Samaritans believed the word. So in verse 14, it says, When the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word, they sent Peter and John to them, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Spirit. For the Spirit had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 17, when they laid their hands on them, they received the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's an interesting passage, right? It's an interesting thing to think that these people had believed, but... For whatever reason, and I'm not saying why. Don't look for the why. Just look at what it says. They believed. The Spirit of God was somehow lacking in their lives. The apostles came, Peter and John, and they prayed for them, and the Spirit of God fell on them. Now, we could say, oh, because God wanted the Samaritans to come into the body, and that's why Peter and John had to be there. Maybe. It doesn't say that, though. But it does paint a picture. I think it's a similar thing to the difference between Acts 2 and Acts 4. I think it's similar to Acts chapter 19. And I think it's something that I've seen in my life at times when people who even somehow are somehow distant from him. Somehow are lacking something. And so you're saying, well, Chris, what is the answer? I think the answer is prayer. In fact, if we were to go, and I won't read, but I challenge you to read Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples ask Jesus, and they say, teach us how to pray. And Jesus is like, fine, I'll teach you how to pray. And he goes through the Our Father who art in heaven. Remember that whole thing? Well, keep reading past that. Because he goes on and he starts to talk about the importance of praying more than once. We don't want to pray more than once. If we did, Jesus wouldn't have had to tell us that. For whatever reason, there's something in prayer that sometimes we have to pray more than one time. And he goes and he talks about keep asking and God's going to come through. Just don't stop asking. And then when you get to the very end of that piece in Luke chapter 11, he says something. He says, because your father 
will give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask. If your son asks for a fish, are you going to give him a snake? Or if they ask for a piece of bread, are you going to give them a stone? No, if your kids are asking for something, they're going to give them it. But it's interesting that he starts off, this is how you should pray. And when he goes through the teaching of how to pray and to keep asking, it ends with, your Father will give the Spirit to those who ask. Maybe it's because the Holy Spirit is life, the Holy Spirit is peace, the Holy Spirit pours out love, the Holy Spirit gives life to our mortal bodies of the same Spirit that raised John from the dead. The Holy Spirit will lead us, it will guide us, it will teach us all things like in 1 John. There's this idea that what we need is found in the gift of the Spirit of God. And it is a gift. So what I want to tell you, and I, I, want, I want us to understand, let's go to the, back to Acts chapter 2, where we were just reading. And Peter is talking, and he says, verse 37, they heard Peter talk of Acts chapter 2, and when they cried out, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, what do we do? Remember, Peter had just explained how all the prophets, all their prophecies came true in Jesus, that Jesus was really here. We saw him, we felt him, we heard him. So what do we do? And Peter, in verse 38, he, he, he says something where if you don't know what to do, Go back to Acts chapter 2.38. It says, repent and be baptized, you, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of, your Holy, of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord calls to himself. This was spoken to a bunch of Israelite Hebrews. Said, this promise is for you, Israelites. For your children, future Israelites. This part, after the and, that's for us. For all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. You can be assured that if God has called you, and if you believe that the promise of the Spirit of God is for you. So my thought is, why are we not the most peaceful people? Do we not have the spirit of peace? Why are we not the most loving people? Do we not have the spirit of God pouring out the love of God in our hearts? Why are we not the most hopeful people? Do we not have the spirit at work? Why, are, why do we think we're not capable to do things for God? Why are some people that maybe perhaps God has asked, like put in their hearts, you could lead a small group. Why do you feel you're not capable? Well, study, put the work in to learn. But once you've done that, you need the spirit of God. And I think a lot of our issues personally and in the church 
could be solved if we learned every day to say, God, I need your spirit today. I'm not talking about a one-time event, something that just happens and it's done. I'm talking about how the Bible talks about a constant infilling. God's people who are constantly connected to him. And if I need peace, God's bringing me peace. If I need hope, God has brought me hope. If I need to know the words to share with my sisters, God brings them to me. And how it doesn't depend on myself. I want us to be people. I want us to be a church. Man, I I wish I could say this clear enough. That knew the word inside and out. But also could just take a few minutes and tell God, God, I need more of you in my life. Maybe your heart's not clean. Spirit of God does that do in Titus. Washing and renewing. It's a pretty amazing gift. It's amazing. In fact, there was no way. But Jesus did not prophesy, you shall receive a leather-bound English standard version with study notes, and that shall save you. He didn't. We need it, and it's good, and we talked about that, and we'll continue to talk about that you need to know the word and what it says. But when he talked about it, he said, your father knows what you need, and he'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Maybe you don't even realize that's what you need. It's just God's spirit in your life. It'll convict you. He will confront you. He will encourage you. And he should, the real spirit, will constantly point back to the word. The real spirit will cause you to go out and read your leather-bound ESV Bible because the spirit of God is doing something and, and you just brought back over and over again to his words and, and you want to know, and I'm not putting the Bible down, but on the day of Pentecost, Bibles didn't fall from the sky. On the day of Pentecost, a worship team did not come out with a new album. They didn't just say, God is doing something new. Here's our new album. You just got to hear it. It's going to help you grow so close to God. No, it was a simple gift of the Spirit of God. Worship is good. I'd say the Word is better. But the Spirit of God... It's necessary. It's part of the plan. It's the you got to know is he's at the right hand of the Father, poured out the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness, power, spirit, like you need it all. We need it all. Would you bow your heads just for a second? Would you reflect? And I, I, I want, I, my hope is to maybe spark a little hunger to spark something to where your next time you go to read the Bible, you pray a little bit and say, God, where are you? I need you. The next time you battle with sin, you cry out and say, God, change me by your spirit. The next time you have no peace, you remember where peace comes from. 
and just say, God, I, I need your spirit. I need peace. The next time you don't have love. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your spirit. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you that Jesus died on the cross for us. We thank you that he rose from the dead. We thank you that he is at the right hand of the Father and he's poured out the Spirit freely on those whom he's called. And Lord, right now, we just want to be full of your Spirit. We want to be full of the Spirit of God. We want to be led by the Spirit of God. We want to be changed by the Spirit of God. We thank you that it's a gift. We thank you that it's a gift, that it's free. We just ask that you'd work in us and change us and make us new. Would you stand with me, church, for a second, please? If you're feeling like maybe you'd like some more targeted prayer or just some, to pray about this a little more, I'd be happy to pray with you just to ask God to fill your life with his spirit. We're going to have, I'll be up here, maybe Trudy and Loring, if you guys want to come to this side, on this side. But if anybody would like prayer, we're happy to do it. But you have to want prayer. You have to recognize that there's something missing in your own heart and that you need more of God. If that's not you, don't come up. But if you're in that place and you'd like more of God's spirit and you like, you recognize there's something off that when we talked about love and peace and renewal that didn't reflect what was going on in your heart, we'd be happy to pray about that and talk about that. So be blessed. Have a great week. Next week we do have Father's Day and we'll have a free food and we have lots of good small groups going on, so be a part of all that stuff. But today, as you're leaving, if you said, you know what, I would like prayer. My love has grown cold. My peace is missing. I don't, I'm not led by God's spirit. We'd love to pray with you. So we'll be up here as long as we need to. If you don't need prayer, well then go and be led by the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Be renewed by the spirit. And like, like it says, if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. Have a great week, everybody. Hey, guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>